0: Hello
1: and welcome to Gallery Guide, a Sordoni Artcast, the official podcast of the Sordoni Art Gallery
0: at Wilkes University. I'm Heatherson Cavage, Director of the Sordoni Art Gallery. And I'm Carly Stasco, Outreach Coordinator. We are two creatives hyped up on coffee here to talk to you about art in a way that even I could understand.
1: So we're coming to you from the Sordoni Art Gallery at Wilkes University, where exhibition experience and education can be one and the same. This time, gallery guide Sordoni Artcast is talking with artist Martha Posner.
0: Due to the nature of the artwork involved, this interview discusses issues of sexual violence and trauma. Listeners are advised to be aware of the potentially triggering content in this podcast. Brutal Beauty, the transformation of women in mythology at the Sordoni Art Gallery, is a mid-career retrospective of the interdisciplinary artist Martha Posner. Examining themes of trauma and recovery through the lens of classic mythology, her large-scale paintings and sculptures haunt the viewer with an unparalleled perspective on familiar folklore. Martha Posner is a sculptor living on a farm in Martins Creek, Pennsylvania. She takes much of her inspiration from the 250 acres of surrounding forest, fairy tales and mythology, and her many barnyard creatures. Some of her collectors and exhibitions include the Allentown Art Museum, the Cleveland Museum of Art, and the Butler Museum of Art, among others. She's represented by Akola Griffin in New York City. As she was curating this exhibition, director Heatherson Cavage met with Martha Posner at her farm to discuss her artistic practice and philosophy.
2: Hi, this is Martha Posner. A few quick notes about this interview with Heatherson Cavage when we were talking and we referred to the piece turning which is in the exhibition the title actually had been changed to memory of flight i often changed the titles and at that time i had forgotten also uh... i just want you to know that when we're speaking about the me too project and we're speaking about amy it's amy arvis who was the collaborator on that project and in that same segment is Ann Lalak who is the curator at the gallery of the Lehigh Valley campus of Penn State. And one last note, I would like to thank Patrick McGee for organizing the final edit of this piece. Thank you, Patrick. So you're asking me about this area and if it mm-hmm. influences my work. So we are surrounded by 250 acres of protected forest. We, we don't own all that, but mm-hmm. it's just, we are in the middle of it. And much of my early work was very much about fairy tales. And mm-hmm. while I thought I took a, a break from that, what I realized is my work about garments and women's bodies and trauma is still very much in that realm about fairy tales. Mm-hmm. So initially my garments were about the idea of magical garments. Mm. You put something on and, you know... You're invisible, you can fly, you're protected, you're whatever you are. But in the fairy tales, there are always these warnings about what happens to women and girls if they don't listen to some patriarchal organization or their father. And it's always something bad that happens, and it's always the fault of the girl mm-hmm. or the young woman, mm-hmm. although there aren't many young women, there tend to be girls and crones, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I guess if you go your own way, you're a crone, but you're incredibly unattractive. But you do have great wisdom, right? Wow. Wow. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> or you're a nasty witch <laughs> who's like you know who's who's angry and wants to kill some young girl for her beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but. That is somehow still in all of my work,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and sometimes I have a better handle on how it fits in than other right. times. But I know that in a deep and visceral place, that that's a very important seed that's still there for me. Right, right, right. So. Yes, my environment is very important, and I used to spend much more time in the woods, Yeah. Uh, just myself or with my dogs. But um, times have changed, and everyone has guns, so I don't go in the woods as much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, has that always been part of your world, or the woods? Mm-hmm. Well, I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland, like a really boring suburb oh, of wow. Cleveland. Um But I must say we lived in a newer suburb, and there was there was a wooded area mm-hmm. and I remember going there with my friends and making forts and playing games and um, making up plays uh-huh, and uh-huh. Uh, you know the the fantasy thing about garments i 'm just remembering this my mother sewed all the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she sewed all my clothes, which I loved until I realized people would make fun of me because mm-hmm. they weren't like from a fancy store right and it wasn't like we were you know. I guess we were middle class, whatever that was at the time, but uh, I lived in a neighborhood with a lot of wealthy people. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways, my mother, I asked her to make me a cape, which I loved, (laughs) and I was certainly old enough that I should have known that this wasn't ever going to happen, but I really believed if the wind was just right and I was in the correct place, Mm -hmm. that I would be able to fly. Oh, gosh
1: is it? I had a similar experience as a child and the the realization when that wasn't going to happen was really pretty devastating like I could still feel it as right like, you know, exactly. like, I could still feel it <laughs> what led you to like I mean you obviously see like the power of and how transformative a garment is like what led you to creating garments then because um I think you you related to them as a child is something a little bit more transformative but like then we start to get into like the what they what they're recalling or standing for like what led you to
2: <clears throat> well first of all i never made the connection of my cape and garments until just now but um <laughs> what led me to them uh you know, there's a, there's a photograph of the Garmin series. They were the very first ones I made. And I was, this early 90s, and there was all this old fencing on the property because the boundaries had changed so many times. Right. And some of the fencing was from um, pre-Civil War, from the way oh it was God. organized, which somebody told me. And I just thought it was beautiful, and I sort of mushed these this fencing together and just started weaving these empty garments mm-hmm. on dresses yeah. and I really don't remember what provoked me except I guess I was I was for a while I was really seriously reading about fairy tales yeah I was trying to find old fairy tales and then I was trying to find the same fairy tale from you know various places right um and and see the connection, and, and, you know, I wanted to read the most sinister ones, which the early ones tend to be. Oh, God, yeah. You know, lessons, be careful, listen to your parents, listen to your father, not even listen to your parents. Yeah, right, right, right. And I I don't remember. It just sort of happened, which is, a lot of my work, I feel like it's um, cooking inside of me, and then all of a sudden it comes out, and I don't have time for the reflection until much later. Mm-hmm. If one more person asks me why the ball, why the dots, why the, you know, part of it is just because it, it makes sense visually, mm-hmm. compositionally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but I know that there's probably a little more involved, but um, I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I work, when I do work, I tend to work very, very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: uh, It sounds very intuitively, too.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And the other thing that I have learned is don't push what you want. Be a collaborator with either, whatever you want to call it, the muse, your materials, whatever it is, right. because it will go quicker, but not only quicker, it will be a stronger piece if you don't fight it. Mm-hmm. You've got to release your own ego and sense of control. Right, right. I mean, that usually... The ego part comes usually toward the end when you know what's happening and you finish it and you want it to be the best it can be. Right. But in between, you can't get to the zone if you're going to try and hold on to control. Right. So, probably didn't answer your question. No,
1: it's okay. I, I mean, it's all it's all good. I, it's I, all. Don't, I don't know.
2: <laughs> 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 I just... I think part of it also is about female nature, not necessarily feminist or femininity, but the nature of being female. I mean still, I think even today when we when we picture women, we picture curvy shapely and like the old bathroom signs yeah, dress you know yeah. is what sets us apart um, and I also think. I mean, I'm just thinking now. I think women's clothes are more ritualistic Mm. than men's clothes, too, in some way. And idealized in a different way. I mean, I don't know. It may not make any sense. No, that makes
1: sense. Because I think, um, like, this dress, a woman wouldn't wear that dress, you know. I I mean, it it certainly fits a certain, like like a, it's a passage of, time in your life like you well, know
2: all these women are in childhood clothes it, yeah because they're still carrying the the trauma, the trauma. Yeah. yeah i mean yeah no i mean they. but here's the thing about trauma is you don't you don't have a sense of yourself and you don't i remember here's something else about garment okay i had no idea what i looked like what worked? What clothing looked good on me, mm-hmm. and where my edges were, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I'm talking about in this painting. Okay, I I really felt like I just didn't know where I was in space mm-hmm. for a long time, mm-hmm. and um, I I just uh, and and you communicate that stuff to people by what you wear. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think it says an awful lot, too, like where you are in your headspace and your sense of awareness or your sense of identity, you know. Mm -hmm. I I definitely see that. What fairy tales were you pulling from initially and then, this might be just a whole separate question, and then when did it start to transition to a more personal narrative?
2: Um, I really liked, um, oh God, can I remember what it was called? What was it called like the seven swans or oh. the seven brothers mm-hmm. and I made a number of early pieces of garments with um, thorns and one wing mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, shirts they were just shirts mm-hmm. um, I love those and and that piece turning I guess is yeah. it's not directly related to that but it's the idea of being caught between uh, uh, sapien and a beast of mm-hmm. some sorts mm-hmm. which I find also very appealing and you know I live in the woods so I have a great fantasy <laughs> okay <laughs> well, I you know I've been
1: reading a lot about um Bernini's um Apollo and Daphne oh. Oh.
2: <laughs> you just give me chills yes. <laughs>
1: yeah right? right well like that I it, it's it's just really struck me so much with that that her transformation was to not be raped you know was to save her yeah like that yeah oh my god so like but the thing is like she loses her her womanhood to assume the tree like it's it for her to kind of live and last on but like she can't maintain what her original identity was like to escape rape you know like and it's it's these strange stories that we've been told to accept. Like, okay, you know, like, because, oh, I don't know. I I try not to harp on it too much in my life. No, but, but it's
2: important <laughs> to. I I remember in art history in 1976 at Philadelphia College of Art, clicking through. I um, remember but what, but, but. And, like, my my art history teacher being, like, totally annoyed and flabbergasted. Because I said, but isn't this, like, a rape?
1: Yeah, <laughs> right? 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 And we're, like, meant to be, like, oh, that's so beautiful. Like, really? <laughs> it's really messed up. But, like, we've been conditioned to just accept it that this is something that we have to deal with. Like right. and this is part of our life. Like, it's weird. It's so weird to me.
2: And... And that is the same thing as all the fairy tales. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, the danger of the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood is really not that she'll be eaten, mm-hmm. but some older evil man will right. attack her right. and rape her. Right. That's my opinion, okay? I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, sh- the, sh- the wolf. I mean, he's luring her to the bed. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: right.
2: right. exactly. exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So the girls, they're really about the environment. Okay. They're. I mean, one is growing roots in one foot. Yeah. One is holding a dead bird. Yeah. You know, one. One is turning into a serpent. She's holding a serpent, and part of her body is serpent. And one has the antlers, and it's really about holding on to the loss of nature. Ah. As well as, you know, the loss of everything else. Because right? I think of it as a loss of innocence in a way. Right? Okay. But, but, you know, that's all tied in. Mm-hmm. It is all tied in. And, yeah. and, and you would not be wrong.
1: Right, right. But when
2: I was working on it, I, I was thinking about... and okay, So already, I did that 2011 to 2015, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know, I was already thinking in those terms about what is happening to our environment and that these little girls are prepubescent, but they're starting to bleed early, and, you know... Right. Which, I don't know, I was thinking for you that maybe I'd see if I could get rid of some of the blood. I don't know. <laughs> I was think if I can get it off. <laughs> but, um... It was, it was funny to have... You know Jess
1: here, who is basically that's my target. You know, like I obviously I have community, but students are first for me. Right. Then I deal with the community and and, and all that. But like, it was interesting to have her come in and see her reaction to see because you know, very feminist young woman. You know, and she was like, "Whoa, that's a lot for me to handle." <laughs> so, so it's going to make people feel uncomfortable, but. Again, that's why we, we provide
2: context. But I also think, you know, like, at the show at Lafayette, I thought it was very quiet. You know? I did, too. And very... I thought it was beautifully installed. Yeah. And it was so... I mean, I installed it, but still. <laughs> no, but, I mean, still, I mean, it didn't... It felt peaceful to me. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel aggressive.
1: No, it doesn't. Right? It doesn't to me.
2: Yeah. So, no. we'll see. And then these pieces, the orphans, mm-hmm. are really about... Uh, what What was happening with the refugee crisis, the Syrian refugees mm, mm. and uh orphans and you know boats of <sighs> people dying and maybe just empty right. garments showing up I mean so you can talk about those as well now, would I have picked empty garments and things like that. If I wasn't working with garments, if I wasn't thinking about these things, probably not. Uh-huh. But but these pieces were, you know, the direct inspiration was, was the news. Oh, okay. Uh, that was from that little boy, shell-shocked oh. in the back oh. of the ambulance. That was, oh, right. right. That's such a hard image. Yeah. And I, and, and I made that piece directly from that. And then I decided I needed to do a few more. Well, I didn't decide, just kind of like. And these
1: came before the stitched ones, the hair
2: stitched ones? Yes. Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah, I think the stitched ones came afterwards. Mm -hmm. I probably did the stitched ones, maybe it was winter and I don't have good heat in here. Oh, yeah. So I could work in in the house. Right. Right. But yeah.
1: Do you find that you um, I mean, obviously you respond to the news and what's going on in the world, do, but do you find then, as you work on something, like things really start like it's not, it's not really the personals political, but it is a personals political kind of thing. Like it, 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 it starts to sort of you start to internalize what the global struggle is in a way? Or?
2: Well, I think if you're a, a real person living in the world, there's no way not to internalize it because yeah. everything we do is affected by the world especially now. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> yeah, 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 We're, yeah, we're right. sitting here across from each other with masks on, you right, know. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think I think one of the best things art can do is is to join those two. Mm-hmm. The personal well, the three, let's say the personal the universal and maybe the political or whatever, but I guess yes. the universal is, is just what's going on around you. And if, if that gets communicated to someone looking at the piece in a way that's very moving or disturbing or touching to them, then I guess that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. And um, disturbing not as in a, ooh, I can't look at it, but disturbing is because it provokes someone to think. And hopefully, it stays with them once they leave the image they're looking at. Right. Um, because, as as we know, um, we're not really thinking about decoration. Yeah. Nothing wrong with decoration, but it has a very different uh, implication. Sure. As what it is and what it is not. Right. right. So. I thought about something else about some of the early garments. Yeah. Um, so, I was working with a lot of thorns and yeah. wild rose canes, and while I couldn't necessarily articulate it at the time, thinking now, I think it was also about the, the danger of magical garments, oh, or the okay. danger of... So yeah, of magical garments. You know the, you know, you have to always be careful what you ask for. What's the bargain? Nothing is, is free. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would work. I'd be cutting up all these um, long thorns or gathering wild rose canes, and you know I would be covered, and I couldn't wear gloves. I mean I wove a piece on on. Uh. Wild rose canes. It took me nine months because I couldn't work on it consistently. And it also took me nine months because so I was weaving it on a structure of rose canes and chicken wire and then with certain fabric. And I was about a third of the way through and I said this isn't working, so I had to, you know oh. take the whole thing apart. Oh, but but you know, if it's not working, it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. So gonna
1: kill kill your babies. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's hard, but it's, like, necessary. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah.
2: And, I, and in retrospect, I was always proud of myself that the piece was so important to me to do that. Right. That it was more important to be its best than just... Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I was never the best artist in school. So. Oh, yeah? How much do
1: you, like, I know when I watched your talk with Anne, um, and, and, well, at Anne's, or, oh, oh right, oh, right, I'm like, sorry, like, yes, 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 yeah, like, forgive me, right, Anne like, Leila, yeah. Yeah, like, when I, when I watched that, I know that, like, obviously you have um, an experience or more, I don't know, but how much does that permeate, like, what you're doing Or is it more, like, I know for me as a creator and and me kind of, like, handling my stuff, I'm trying very hard to create a boundary so that I'm not constantly ripping myself to shreds. Like, where are you in creation now? Like, Mm -hmm. are you still responding? Are you, is it memories you're recalling or... Is it more for, like, a global woman and not Martha anymore?
2: Well, it's a very good question. When I was a younger artist, and I'm thinking now, like, in my uh, early 20s, and I couldn't really articulate what I was going through because a lot of it was buried for a long time. But I knew that everything I made, I felt like it had to kill me. Mm, mm-hmm. And I felt like it wasn't worth anything if it didn't kill right, me emotionally.
1: Right. I think a lot of people think that you have to, like, suffer for your art. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> well, that's not a good strategy. <laughs> no,
2: but the thing is, if it's the only thing that works...
1: But I hear you. I hear right? you.
2: Yeah. yeah. and 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 I, you know, and I was young, and I had this, but I didn't know what it was. But I knew that... I guess I knew that I was getting... Close to something authentic in myself when I got to that pain point that was so incredibly painful, yeah. terrorizing, whatever it was. Yeah. And then when I was older, this was in the nineties, um, I was sort of it was on the peripheral, but it wasn't until I made a piece called uh, "Code of My Lost Happiness." That was the piece that was about that, and it wasn't like it exercised everything. But, and, and it was, you know, I mean I'm the only one who knew what it was about, everyone has a lost half-finish, right? Yes, yeah. But um, that, that piece was, that was the piece for me. Mm-hmm. And then it was always sort of in there in a way that I couldn't quite articulate or examine or just put my finger on, but it was, you know, it was floating in the peripheral. And now, well, then, of course, was the Me Too work, mm-hmm. which sort of brought everything back again, which surprised me. I um, and it you. brought back a lot of stuff, you know, things that seemed minor at the time. Um, but in retrospect, were not minor and mm-hmm. not okay and terribly inappropriate mm-hmm. at the very least, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And um, so I guess that brought that all... Back in a very dramatic way, but in a way that I could um, look at it and not have to be in it constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I made these these little sketches, and I didn't know at the time that I was going to be making these larger drawings, and they would be responding to the children mm-hmm. in the sketches. That's I mean, when I, when I made the first one, I said, oh yeah, this is what I'm doing, talking right. about the trauma that stays with you as an adult, the childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, But I feel now that it's more commentary on what so many of us share, and I don't have to like be screaming in certain work, this is me, this is me, this is me. Right. Um, And I feel, I don't feel that I have to carry these pieces with me when I walk out of the studio, Mm. which is a relief. Seriously. Right, yeah. Um, Although, I will say, like, usually when I work, and I don't know if it's superstition or just what, but, like... (laughs) I can go days without taking a bath or shower and and changing my clothes because I feel like you're going to break the mojo you know yeah yeah. and like now of course it's not a big deal because no one's going anywhere (laughs) seriously but but even you know before the pandemic I mean I'd go to the grocery store and I'd like you know my hair would be matted to my head yeah 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 (laughs) yeah um I do think five days was the longest, <laughs> but you know, then I would hope that I could, you know, reconnect. Yeah, right, right, right. So, in in some ways, that's related, but maybe that's just about being in the studio, and, you know, <laughs> the mojo of the studio. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Oh my god.
0: Stay tuned for more gallery guide Sardoni Artcast. On February 10th at 6 p.m. on Zoom, we'll have our feature artist lecture with Martha Posner. The artist will cover her studio practice, influences, and the importance of mythology to the narratives she creates. Her work is in service to a better understanding of the trauma women experience, providing perspective to those unable to speak on their own. February 13th at 2 p.m. on Zoom, we have our Art in Your Hands free workshop, a Valentine paper crafting with me, Carly Stasco, your outreach coordinator. Valentine's Day is fast approaching. What better way to say I love you than giving them your heart? Literally. Stop by the gallery to pick up your kit. Then join us on Zoom to craft anatomical Valentine's Day cards. Learn the elements of collage and paper crafting while exploring the brutal beauty of love. Visit our website at wilts.edu slash Art Gallery for more information. And we're back with the rest of Heather's interview with Martha Posner.
1: I guess I'm very curious about Frozen Charlotte because I don't know much about where that began.
2: Um, I lived in Chicago in the 80s and I was in some thrift store, junk store, and they had somewhere I have all these little dolls, I have no idea where they are. They had like bookshelves filled with these little porcelain dolls Oh, and they were all... They were the they were like this like the profiles of the original. Oh yeah okay. yeah yeah, and um, you know I had no money but I think I bought two of them. They were seven dollars each and it was like a big extravagant at the time. Right. And I just was obsessed with them. They're these naked little dolls, right? Right. right. These little girls and I didn't quite know why I was obsessed because. My own history was still kind of buried to myself, mm-hmm. but I had in my brain, you know, this like story of not sure what, but something horrible must have really happened to them. So the story is, and and my story embellished it. The story is that it was <laughs> it was to teach children to listen to their parents. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> and and there's two frozen Charlotte stories. One is a little girl who. Um, runs runs away. She's mad at her family or her father, and um, there's a big snowstorm, and she runs out, and she doesn't have enough proper clothing on, and she's found frozen, dead the next day without okay. any clothes. And the other is um, a woman who, a young woman, like 17, who runs away from her father and or maybe fiancé. I don't remember the details anymore, so don't quote me on it, but there's an epic poem about the... The young woman, not the girl. Gotcha. i find it for you and send it to you. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, when she runs out and she doesn't have enough clothes on, she's found dead and naked. And so, in the snowstorm. And since they were found naked, I thought something really horrible had happened to them, hence my drawings, my big drawings, and even some of my small drawings, my early ones, all the bruising and yeah. terrorizing of these girls. But apparently, and I'm so glad I didn't learn this until significantly later, <laughs> is that when you have hypothermia, you become very hot and you start tearing all your clothes off. Oh, really? Yeah, and if I knew that, I never would have made like all of these drawings. <laughs> <laughs> and I've worked on the Charlotte series from the 90s through, I don't know, uh, 2000 sometimes. So, I I spent a lot of years on that. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I
1: had no idea either.
2: Yeah, so, um, (laughs) but anyways, it just still was like incredibly freaky that, and it was a, I guess a German manufacturer, again, don't quote me on this, or you do quote me, I'm not exactly sure (laughs) because I haven't remembered, I, I don't remember the details, but they had made all these little dolls to go with this epic poem that was like a warning. And so that's like this fairy tale idea again oh too. Oh my
1: god. Right? Oh my god. So but oh.
2: if you if you Google Frozen Charlotte you'll see all these little dolls and there's a few different so styles lovely. of them, but uh, the one that I saw was just pretty much looks exactly like my drawings the way that hair is and the, Okay. And they're chubby. You know, they're clearly little girls of a of a particular time period uh-huh. because um, we would not make dolls that chubby anymore. Right, you know? right. Like, um, oh my god! <clears throat> oh my god! No, I had no idea. I had no idea that was, that was a thing. Yeah. Jeez. It's really, kind of creepy. Seriously. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> truth is stranger than fiction.
1: Yeah. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> Did you leave your own like narrative go? your work? Like, when was it okay to kind of depart from it for you?
2: Well, maybe... I don't know. Maybe maybe after Code of My Lost Happiness, Mm -hmm. but I was still doing garments. When I did the Memory and Desire piece, I mean, I really don't know where that came from, Uh I have to tell you. And too many people ask me what it's about, and I really can't tell you. Um, Oh, uh, I'll tell you what I I always
1: associated with it, but go
2: on. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know if I left my own narrative at all, frankly, Mm -hmm. or if I just don't let it get in the way. Oh, that's a great point. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good question. I would never consider it. I don't think I could make these drawings... If I felt so removed from mm-hmm. my own narrative, mm-hmm. or if I could make these pieces, because you know, there's a, there's a lot about loss and danger and fear and sadness and you know all those things. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, in another world, in another life, I'd be happy to just paint pictures watercolors of my dogs and my cats Your you know favorite. my chickens my goats <laughs> Seriously. Um, and you know and sometimes i do that but it's it's a different type of satisfaction mm. it's more like having you know being satisfied from eating something sweet sure right 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 <laughs> you know, oh it my doesn't, god. it doesn't last the same way
1: right 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 so right oh my god well i always saw memory and desire um is almost like two part, two parts to the same person and and one side of you that's always the, the rational the one that holds you back and the other that just wants to float away or but i also think about um like what well, the other the other that wants to float away the dreams you know but i also thought a, a lot about disassociation um that happens under severe trauma um, and i did a piece about that too um, about um an assault that I experienced where I really did sort of split. I looked down on myself. So yeah. like I saw them as very much so interconnected, like they're not separate. They're they're the same. Oh. And they're two halves of the whole.
2: I love that. Oh. <laughs> I mean, cool. I, I guess I saw them as the same as well. I yeah. mean, they're both wedding dresses. I, yeah. don't know, if I know that. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that was the thing that I couldn't escape from their wedding dresses mm-hmm. and their hair. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> can I can, can I use it? Yeah. <laughs> that's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, I can't wait
2: to write more about it. <laughs> I do. I, re- I found... I'm still pretty damaged anyways, yeah. I can perceive myself as a thing. And my um, teachers hated me, my female teachers, because I was not political. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I left school because I didn't need, any, I didn't need to be in school to be painting, mm-hmm. um, which many of my classmates did. Because I had to, I I was obsessed. I mean, first of all, I didn't want to think too much. Mm -hmm. And if I painted and could get in a zone, I wasn't thinking. Um, Yeah right. (laughs) Right. Um, But then I came. I came here. Well, no, I went other places. But what I'm getting at is, I didn't perceive myself as a feminist or feminist artist for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And you know, I wanted to just be an artist. Yeah right, right right. But when I look back at 20 years of work, more? Almost 30? Oh, God, yeah, almost 30 years of work, particularly what I did here. I mean, I saw everything I did was not only from a female perspective, which is what I thought I was doing, but a, but a very feminist perspective. And it just always kind of... I found it a little bit shocking and, and humorous at right. the same time. Right, right, right. But... know how can you be a waking woke person and not acknowledge these things like like we're talking about the bernini sculpture yeah yeah
1: yeah seriously
2: uh excuse me
1: (laughs) (laughs) seriously something
2: not right here um
1: yeah Yeah. oh my god i had I remember, um, in, I in grad school also did. I did not think I was a feminist. I was like, no. I mean, and of course, like, exactly what I was describing was exactly feminism, but I didn't recognize it as that. Because
2: because we thought it was more hostile or exactly. aggressive, right? Yeah. Right? Because the the press had 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 just encouraged us to think that it was a hostile thing. Yes. Yes. And it's an organic thing.
1: Mhm. Yeah. One billion percent. No, I... Oh. I'm
2: sorry. <sighs> it's all good. It's all good. Well, I know my experiences... This might be what you asked me before about when did it stop being your narrative. It's still my narrative, but I know that it's all these things made me who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. I kind of like who I am. Yeah, right. It took me a long time, Heather. It took me. I was well into my 40s before I felt that I had found my authentic voice. Mm-hmm. I felt I was floundering for a long long time. Yeah, uh, me too.
1: <laughs> and I I feel like too like I'm not I don't know. I don't know if I'm there and I'm in my I'm getting, you know, to my late 40s and I'm still trying to feel like is this is this it yet? Like is it is this right? I don't know. I don't know. Let's see.
2: I think it's just harder for more compassionate people because compassion and empathy just let in all this other shit. Right. And sometimes it gets in the way of of our own growth and what we need to do for ourselves. And right. It's, As women, it's very hard for us to put ourselves first. Yeah. Yeah. Even when we know it's what we should do. Yeah, right. Even when we know we're really more important than someone else who's saying, I Mm -hmm. need you to do A, B, C, D, E.
1: Right, 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 right. So. I don't hear you there.
2: Oh, God.
1: (sighs) I mean, you talk about your process being rather intuitive, but I feel like there's. A certain intention on the other side of it. When it comes to, I mean, maybe maybe less about um, when you're using the art material, but more about when you're working, you know, with things that you're foraging yourself, or mm-hmm. um, you know, garments that you're resourcing yourself. Like, what what's the what's the process, and how do you know that it's the right thing? Um, well,
2: I mean. But the most appropriate thing for that probably would have been the Waking the Woods series, mm-hmm. where I was really foraging for pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if they just kept, if they talked to me, if I could hear them, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that it was right. And then, oddly enough, another example would be some of the Me Too pieces, mm-hmm. because I had, I don't know, I probably had 30 slips. Mm-hmm that I had acquired. Right. But I couldn't use all of them. I had to use the ones that were right. And some of them I knew they probably weren't the right slip and I wrote on them anyways, but then I knew that they weren't working. And sometimes they weren't working just from a more you know, classical standpoint of of color or shape. Yeah. But other times they just didn't have the right right juju. Right, 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 right.
1: Oh, well. Yeah, I remember when you talked about me the Me Too slips, you just sort of started... Or
2: no, you started with the coats? Is that No, you had to, I had to wait for the coats. I had to wait for the coats. I drew the coats. Yeah. But I, I had... My mother had given me this pet jacket that I always loved. And she was, she was just cleaning stuff out of her home. And when I was a child, I was very sick a couple times when I was a kid. I don't remember the details, but I do remember when I would come um, home when I was sick and I was home. I got to lay in my mom's bed and watch TV, and I got to wear this bed jacket. Oh my god! Which I didn't know until she gave it to me that it was given to her by her mother when 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 she when oh. I was born. And I didn't know my grandmother. She died when I was three months old. Oh, my God. And I was terrified to work on this piece because it had meant so much to me. Right. And actually what I did was I, I wrote on tracing paper first oh, and laid you it too? over. Oh, and, wow. And then I did it. So um, that's the very first piece I, I worked on. And then I, you know, I had some slips and I went to thrift stores, and i Donna Maloney is a costume designer, and there's a big uh, costume warehouse in Tatumy that they own and i I asked her if I could go pick out some slips uh-huh, uh-huh. you know but and I 'cause they were old, yeah right, yeah. and I had asked all my friends for things, and right, I've always asked my friends for things when I made the red bed, it was the same thing I needed red fabric uh-huh and i I said. Do you have a favorite scarf or dress or something that you love but you can't wear anymore? Mm-hmm. It has to have that intention of mm-hmm. love in it. Mm-hmm. And if you do and you wanted to donate it to me for my red bed, I'd be really grateful. Oh, wow. And that's, the red bed was made probably with uh, 60% of things from other people. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, part of it was woven on... A, a red satin fabric, but you know, then the right, I don't remember the technical term, which is the you know, but anyways, oh, one the
1: warp of, or the weft kind yeah, of thing, yeah, 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 yeah
2: gotcha.
1: And hair, uh huh, uh huh, and hair. Oh my god, oh wow, it's really
2: soft,
1: too. yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot it's like it's a lot, you know like like i can I can kind of you know like you're you're saying it how it needs to have some sort of resonance and it's it is something to like sit here and hold like generate your generations of your family and then you know have it imbibed with this then as well, which is a lot <laughs> it is oh. Wow. I know I don't. I don't. I haven't talked a lot about this. I mean, I listened to you and Amy uh, with Anne, and I you know obviously I was there the day of the shoot and stuff like that. But um, I had a really hard time that day. It oh, was not.
2: I was very surprised how emotional it was for me. I thought I was detached enough Mm
1: -hmm. I wondered uh, what you thought of that because uh, not that I'm writing about this at all but I had like I I I, you know like listening to the the reflections on it and stuff like it was it was funny because I know the intention was empowerment and I really had not that experience (laughs) I struggled a lot you know it 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 really like dredged up a lot of stuff that I thought I would think I resolved and I don't know why, you know. I don't know why. And that that I think sometimes when I think about it being a more global issue for some reason that really is a lot to handle. You know? Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean I I really just I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it either. The project and the exhibition was empowering. Yeah. But and I didn't know that the shoot would be tender or difficult for people. Mm -hmm. And I felt very badly that I hadn't thought that out in advance. Sure, sure. But I I don't think I would have known. I didn't I didn't know. I didn't
1: either. And I thought I was pretty self-aware, you know, about my my stuff, you know. I didn't I wouldn't have thought either. I I thought I was like, yeah, I'm in, I can handle this. I could do this, you know, like like I've gone through some shit and here I am, you know, like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. And then
2: and then it was like, "Oh my god." Do do you think it was because it it was a safe space to be open and there were I, no. Was no, no, no. Um, honestly, I
1: think, I think being told that this is empowering when I didn't feel like it was, uh-huh. was upsetting. Uh-huh. And it, and then, um, I think too, like, like I, I, and, and, and I think I was upset because I didn't feel that way and I wanted to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I felt like I was letting the whole, you know what it, like, this is in retrospect, because I didn't have quite that self-awareness that day, (laughs) like, I, and and I I was like, oh, God, I should be feeling this way, which I know already when I'm saying should, I, you know, that's bullshit, you know, but I should be feeling this way, but I don't feel this way, and why am I, why is it like this, you know, like, I kept wanting to feel strong, and I felt like shit, you know, like, oh, I hated it, (laughs) no, I hated how I was, I didn't hate it, because I was really excited to be there. But I, it was like a lot of unexpected things going on Yeah. and uh, that's, you know, my, I know it's my own baggage, you know.
2: Well, I mean, that's sadly the idea is that we yeah. all have this baggage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, to different degrees. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, I feel badly. Yeah. Oh, oh, please. Right. No, but I do. I mean, and I do remember being kind of startled when Amy said that, but I didn't think it was my place to... Yeah. I had. I. I will say, and I did say this in the, in the talk, I mean, I really wanted to sit on my hands and let Amy do what I she wanted to do. That, yeah. I really did, because I felt... That uh, you know, she wasn't going to bug me in my studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I told her that they were hers to work with. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But but I'm I am but I'm sorry for that. Oh please don't. And please. Uh, no, there were there were a few women, and some women talked to me afterwards. Um, I mean, the, the women that I knew personally about the experience too. I mean it it uh it lingered.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah, it it gave me a lot to think about because um, that's why I actually asked the question I asked during that that discussion because it, it for me spun up so much that I was like i can't keep doing this to myself you know that's why i wanted to know how you handle your boundaries so that you stay sane because i feel like it's been 20 years for me and i can't keep doing this to myself you know like like going it and i realize in that that's a little bit of like maturity that i don't have to rip myself to shreds to make my work but also like you know um I'm I'm trying really really hard to create that boundary whilst still remain authentic to the story, you know, in a way. Not that it, not that I have to do that all the time, but I'm also I'm not being I'm not saying this the way I want to. Um, I don't think it I don't think it's going to be sustainable for me to rehash it. And oh, it's not. I also realize in people experiencing some of my work, that it's hard for them, too. And I, and I don't need to be another cause for trauma, you know, because I'm stirring up things in them, you know, and that started to worry me on my end of it, that yeah,
2: I'm you, causing you, harm. No, you, you can't, uh, I don't think you can take on all of that responsibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my feeling think your first responsibility is to yourself, and the idea that people relate to it says they haven't worked through it either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so maybe it's important that you do this so that they
1: can do their part. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I cool. <gasps> All right, yeah. But I think I think we're in a good spot. I think. Um, yeah, replacing the photographs with these and then taking two of these for that front room and then still maintaining memory and desire. I I still want turning to come.
2: Yeah, no. I'll we'll pack it. We'll pack it yeah. up. And you'll you'll see how that works.
1: Yeah, I I sort of just want to feel that one out. Yeah, no, no, no. That's yeah. that's
2: uh I don't have any problem. No, I will I will pack anything you want. Yeah, okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's not an issue. Okay, cool. Um, Do you want to walk around the garden? Yeah, sure.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to visit the gallery February 9th to April 11th to see Brutal Beauty. Our hours are Tuesday through Fridays, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Saturdays, noon to 5 p.m. Safe hours are by appointment only on Saturday mornings between 10 and noon please email Carly.Stasco at Wilkes.edu. That's K-A-R-L-E-Y dot S-T-A-S-K-O at Wilkes.edu to schedule a tour, RSVP for an event, or with any questions you might have about the show. To learn more, visit our website at wilks.edu slash Sordoni Art Gallery. All right, Heather, who do we need to thank?
2: Oh, we
1: definitely have to thank Martha Posner but also Amy Arbus, Larry Fink, and all the people working for Martha, all behind the scenes in helping us bring this exhibition to the Sordoni. We also have to thank the Sordoni Art Gallery and Wilkes University staff, especially Kristen Rock for recording and editing this podcast.
0: Yes, double thank you, Kristen. (laughs) And
1: most definitely all of our Sordoni Art Gallery members, our advisory
0: commission, and the entire Sordoni family. Thank you. And our listeners, thank you guys. We hope to see you again soon.